Hello and welcome to Landings with a Flare, the podcast where we supplement and support flight training. This is Captain Teresa. This conversation was recorded on the audio platform called Clubhouse. You will likely hear some variation in audio quality as speakers tune in from around the world. We hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. Welcome aboard. Welcome back. We are going to continue our conversation about mental health. Previously, we were talking about foundations of mental health, work-life balance, that type of thing. And now let's talk a little bit more specifically about anxiety of flying. Then we'll probably go more also into emergencies and traumatic events. Dichelle, thank you so much for being here. Would you be willing to start by describing a little bit of the issues that people have with anxiety of flying? And then what are some tools that people can use? Absolutely. But I first like to kind of talk about what anxiety is, if that's okay, uh, Catherine Teresa. Oh, excellent. Yes, please. So for many of us, we are aware of what anxiety looks like, but sometimes you don't know. So anxiety can look like if you're having a certain event come up and all of a sudden you feel a change in your body, that could look like heavy breathing, maybe having what's called a panic attack. That could look like all increased sweating. That could look like increased heartbeat, heart rate. It could feel like panic. It could feel like numbing feeling in your body. It could also feel like headaches. It could feel like the absence of being able to breathe. Maybe you're holding your breath. It could look like aches and pains throughout your body. It could also look like a heart attack. You could think that you're having a heart attack and it could just be increased anxiety. These are all different things. I've had a client that thought she was having a heart attack because her heart palpitations were so strong. And so she went to the hospital to find out that literally it was just anxiety. So I want you to be aware that anxiety can look like so many different things. It could look like different aches and pains anywhere throughout your body. So one way of kind of understanding of how you're feeling is do a body scan. Um, When you're doing a body scan, that's when you start at the top of your head and you literally just kind of go throughout your own body. In a neutral state, when you're calm, when you are okay, you know, maybe when you've taken off and you're floating in the clouds and the sun is coming up and now you've had your coffee, the day is starting, air traffic control is now off the radio and you're just cruising. And if that's your beautiful, safe place, do that body scan there. So that way that's your neutral, that's your calm, that's your happy place. Also do a body scan when you feel like oh my God, I've got to run to catch this flight or we're getting diverted somewhere else or whatever. That way you'll know what that feels like when that increased anxiety is happening. And then that way you can then do something about that increased anxiety, be it maybe chewing some gum if you're at the controls and just kind of being mindful of using your five senses. Maybe you could have something in your pocket or something that you can kind of rub like a, a rock like with different textures on it. You know, it depends on where you are. You can use Insight Timer. That's a great app we've talked about before here in this setting. And there are other apps, Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer that you can use. 
Of course, not when you're flying, but when you're on the ground, when you're grounded, then you can use those apps to deal with the anxiety that you're feeling. You know, using those five senses, what's, what smells good for you? What's calming? Maybe it could be lavender or sage. Maybe it could be smelling your grandma's apple pie. You know, maybe cooking um, is your calm place. That can help with anxiety. It could be touching things. Like I said, that pet rock that you may keep in your pocket. It could be maybe you have some people I've known have, you know, military, they may have had their medals or something in their pocket or that they keep on them that grounds them, just holding that. It could be a cloth. It could be a blanket. It could be what you hear, you know, listening to something, maybe a great playlist that calms you down. And so you, you, you can use those, if you have that fear of flying, use those five senses to kind of get you grounded. Use that body scan that we just talked about previously that can help ground you. Okay, I'm feeling a little anxiety. I'm feeling like my breathing is increasing. What can I use? Check in with yourself. What can I use to make me feel more grounded at this moment? Because I'm getting ready to get on this flight and you know check out, check out on this flight with my flight instructor, but I'm feeling a little antsy about it. Not sure how I'm going to do. What can you use to kind of calm yourself down to make sure that you're grounded and that way you can perform at your optimal levels. So whatever that works for you, it doesn't, it's not the same for everyone else, but whatever works for you, you figure out those things. With people that I work with, I like to tell them to have five different ways of dealing with anxiety. Because if you use the same thing all the time, it will start uh, normalizing. You won't be able to use it as long. So if you have thing, different things, varying things to use, then you're able to deal with anxiety and attack it from different angles. That way you're better able to have those coping skills that last longer for you because you might be able to take a walk before you get on the plane, walk around the plane, check the plane out, maybe do it a little bit more slower, more intentional than you would normally do it when you're just normally in that let's get up and go type of mode, but slowing down, taking that moment to yourself. Maybe you could... Put on your your playlist as you walk through the airport from gate to gate. Maybe you could grab a, a, a warm and comforting food, French fries, or a warm soup that also attacks your five senses and calms you down. You know, these are different things that you can do if you're having that fear of flying. You're having that fear of just getting to the job and performing well. These are just a few things that we offer. But I say, again, have five different ways. It could be phoning your friends, phoning your loved one and saying just hearing their voice could be calming for you. So that's I think I've given four and you can come up with a fifth thing. If you need help, let us know. But you can come up with five different ways of really having ways to help with that fear of flying. Those are all great ideas. I want to open up the floor to other people. What are some good ways that people here deal with anxiety? Where dad, go right ahead. Yeah, so kind of related to that, does anyone track their sleep? I'll just assume some do, many don't. One of the big things that I did that was a big improvement in, in kind of my day-to-day tracking sleep and, and realizing kind of my mental readiness state is that I, I would try and do a job that would take two days in a day and a half or a three-day job in two days to get home sooner. Then you get home and you just have like no emotional resiliency or, or like, you know, like, like you can't deal with the same types of stressors because you're sleep deprived. So in the long run, I found out it's better to just take the extra day, work a normal schedule, and then be better rested when you get home and transition from one job to, to like the home job. 
So you're saying, for example, if you travel, maybe don't rush home when you're completely exhausted, but just spend another night in a hotel. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Along those lines, or, or if nothing else, just be aware that if you're, you know, if you're on a three-day, four-day trip, you come home and your your sleep reserves pretty low. Let your significant other, spouse, housemates, whatever, know that hey, you know, I I might be home, and I know you're ready to hand the kid off to me. However, I'm physically home. I'm not mentally ready to be home, right? Like, like you need that extra recovery as well, just to be able to perform as a compassionate and effective parent, for example. I completely agree with that. I had my oldest son when I was still flying. And so my husband would be home with the kids. And so there were times when I came in from that red eye and you know how it feels after being up all night on a red eye. And then of course he may wanting to hand the kid off to me, hand my son off to me. However, I was like, there is no way (laughs) I need to get some rest first. And he was completely okay with that. And so if you explain those, making sure you're communicating well with your partners, which this is part of our business is talking about greater ways of communicating for that work-life balance and saying, I'll be happy to, but I just finished up with a red eye and I haven't slept since eight o'clock the night before. I've been up all night, you know, or that afternoon before, but it's just let me get a few hours and then I'm able to, you know, come in and do all the things. Then that may be better versus you coming home and just going to sleep and not having those conversations because then your spouse may feel like, well, wait a minute, I've been on parent duty the entire time you've been away and it's your turn now. But by having those effective ways of communicating, hey, this is my schedule or even explaining to them what that or maybe making the schedule one that they can understand. They may can't understand, you know, what the what your crew schedules look like on the bid sheets, but maybe making it easier so they can understand what it looks like, what that flight looks like before you come home or saying, hey, I'm coming in on that red eye and I'm going to need a few hours sleep. That may make them uh, more easier to say, okay, well, I can handle the the baby until, you know, two o'clock to let you get some really good sound sleep. And then maybe we can be flexible at that point or even making that the easy night, the pizza night, the first day in, you know, we're just going to order pizza and we're just going to, Netflix and chill, you know, however you determine it. And then I can kind of get in and be a part of the family in a better capacity. I love that. I love the concept of being proactive, communicating what you're going to need when you arrive home from a trip. And Merdad, I actually do track my own sleep with the app Sleep Cycle. I highly recommend it. I used to use it a lot when I was in hotels, but at home, there was just like wife moving, cat coming in, child coming in, it, it didn't work as well. So I, I used the Aura Ring, and one of the metrics, or it looks at a few metrics, one of them that it looks at isn't just how much sleep you got, but rather like how much did your heart rate lower at night and how much did your heart rate variability increase. And then it looks at your body temperature as well. So it, it kind of puts all that info into a readiness score. So right now my readiness score is like 60. So I I got four hours of sleep at an early flight. So I know that I probably shouldn't try and work till midnight tonight, right? But sometimes you get eight hours of sleep, but maybe you had some alcohol the night before. Your readiness score isn't commensurate with your sleep hours. So it's, it's just a lot of interesting insights. And if you have the flexibility to change your behavior, 
in response to that or, or just be mindful of I'm, I'm dragging today because of these factors. I'm not going to do something very ambitious, right? And, and just be mindful of your kind of readiness state there. Well said. And or you said aura ring. How do you spell aura? Uh, I think it's O-U-R-A. That's great. Now, show. I know that when we were speaking before, we were also talking about some of the more official ways of dealing with anxiety, like CBT, talk therapy, EMDR. Would you be willing to explain what some of those techniques are to us? Absolutely. So CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's essentially just talk therapy, kind of talking through what's going on with you. It could be just working with a coach or a therapist, talking about um, what's coming up for you. You know, what does that look like for you? Also talk about ways of coming up with solutions together to help you, support you in decreasing your anxiety. Solution-focused therapy is kind of like CBT, but it's very solution-based. So we don't focus on really what's going on with you, but how do we get you to decrease the anxiety, you know, completely going straight for, okay, I understand that this is what you're talking about, but what's the solution for that? How do we get you to the decreased anxiety? That would be solution-focused therapy. EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And so that can be used for anxiety, especially around um, a certain event, such as you were in a emergency landing. And so now you're kind of having the fear of kind of coming back to work or something happened on the flight and, or, you know, maybe even something happened just in your normal life. And, but that EMDR, we kind of focus on that event. I like to say when I, when I work with professionals, you don't have to really talk about the trauma that happened to you in order to be able to support the trauma um, and support you with the trauma because you don't have to kind of go through it. So what we do with EMDR and with brain spotting is we name it and we give it a title and then we work through what happens in that instance for you. And so we may do um, the eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing and with that, you have a level of, you know, how, how effective, how activated are you? And we try to get that down to a zero if we can. And with that trauma, trauma is like an onion. So a lot of things come up with anxiety. Anxiety can be like an onion. You could start off with, you know, one instance, but it could take you somewhere else. And so we kind of just work through whatever's going on with you with that EMDR, as well as brain spotting, which brain spotting is an eye movement thing. None of this is hypnosis. You're completely aware of all stages of what we've, I've discussed. It's just different ways of kind of working through your anxiety and different mo- uh, methods that can be used in the coaching as well as in the counseling realm. Wow. Thank you so much. There are some real techniques. I I've watched the TED Talk on CBT, Cognitive Behavior Therapy. I wish I could remember what it was called. It's a very popular TED Talk. And even just what I picked up from the TED Talk about, you know, trying to get to the root of fears and things like that. I mean, that I, I was watching it for a friend, and I'm not just saying that either. And I was like, oh, I could use some of, some of this too. I mean, it, that's really interesting. So there are really good techniques out there. 
if someone has anxiety or if you even notice, um, you know, your crew member may be having anxiety, say that you're in a flight or you're in a pattern, maybe starting with just slow, easy breaths. We can do the five, four, three, two, one, just kind of holding your breath, uh, blowing out for five seconds, holding in for five seconds and then working your way down, you know, breathing out, breathing out for four, breathing in for four. Breathing out for three, breathing in for three, just going down until you get to one and see if that helps calm your crew member out or yourself out. Or also the box breathing, the square breathing, where you hold your breath for five seconds, you release for five, you hold for five, you release for five, and just visualize yourself going around that square. So that's something that you can do to help if you see your crew member, just kind of saying, hey, let's take a few deep breaths together. Start there. You know, let's, hey, let's go for a walk around the terminal. You know, that's a great way. If you can start your morning off, if your morning's not too early, your call time to get to the van in the, the cruise shuttle in the morning, Go out and have that, maybe just a 30-minute walk on the treadmill. You don't have to get out into the surroundings, especially if you're in a uh, place that you're not safe or you don't know your surroundings. Just go get on the treadmill or a bike. Sit there with the TV on, on something that's not going to trigger you, of course. And just kind of bike, that will definitely help your decrease your anxiety and you will see you have less anxiety throughout the day. Again, as Murdad talked about in Captain Teresa, getting that sleep. So you may have that five-day layover, but you may feel like, you know, I had plans to go out, but I really need to just catch up on my sleep because I'm feeling off. And so maybe taking the first two nights of your layover and saying, I'm just going to rest when I get to the layover. And then you can appear and be a part of the crew and have some fun time with the crew on the latter end, the latter part of your trip. That would be great too. Just making sure you're checking in with yourself all the, at all times to see what you need. So that way you're at your optimal net level when you're speaking with or when you're at, in performance with your crew. So many great points. So many great points. I like the one about learning proper breathing techniques. Probably one of the most exciting things I ever had happen in flight was an emergency once. And I made one radio call where my voice shook just a little bit. I thought, oh, no, I, this is not good. I need to quickly do a breathing exercise and just put myself back in a calm mental state. I did a really quick breathing exercise, and, and suddenly I was just breathing suddenly from my diaphragm. I was projecting. I had a calm, clear voice, and it just really made a difference. I had literally just paused for just like a few seconds as I was flying the plane. I did a few breaths in, a breath out. And it just like, just, it really helped. So all I would say is, yeah, look into that kind of thing. Even some acupressure points, that kind of thing, if you're into that. And just sitting still for a moment. You know, I remember being in an emergency, preparing for an emergency landing and we got the dings and, you know, we like, uh oh, this is something's going on with this does not sound good because we got those emergency chimes and just sitting there waiting to get I wasn't the lead on that flight so just waiting to hear back from the captain and the lead and so just taking a moment because I know something's going on but taking those few moments for myself just to kind of ground myself and have that deep breathing in I think made a world of difference and looking around 
noticing your environment, noticing where those exits are, noticing who's around you that could be of support to you, kind of remembering who's sitting where. You know, when we do that beverage service, we're serving beverages, but you're also kind of identifying different people that could be your strong help when you need it. And so having those moments of just kind of quiet yourself until that next uh, step comes, until you know you're going to have to jump up, you're going to have to be active. But just taking that moment just to say, okay, let me ground myself. I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to help these people get through this. We are going to do this together. And just having that moment to yourself can definitely help with anxiety as well. Just taking that moment to sit still and be in the moment for that for that brief bit of time. Well said. And Enrique, go ahead. I just want to add a couple of points here. The first ones regarding the, the breathing exercises and looks like not, but they are magical. And if you have a smartwatch for a certain company, that's quite a hidden feature. I wouldn't say hidden, but not so popular feature. Uh, you have that already from, from the factory. It has some, some breathing exercises. So go, go check that out. Um, it's already on your wrist and you didn't know about that. Um, the second point I w- would like to make goes alongside with um, Dr. Michelle was just saying about pretty much diffusing your brain when you are about to enter into a stressful situation where you have to be alert and where you need to be focused in. Pretty much that's go alongside with one of the one of the things that uh, you learn at your military duty that's pretty much um, things went south. You have the time, you need to clear your head to start thinking. The first thing you do is take a sip of water from, from the bottle that you always carry with you. And the reason for that, it's as I said, it's to diffuse your, your brain in order to not get into a panic state, into a confusing state, because pretty much you're going to break that flow of going to panic and you're going to start to think better, think clearly and that's when you can start making better decisions if you have the time do something to break that uh, that flow in order to not get confused what you were saying reminded me of some of the advice i got when i became an airline captain another captain told me he said okay anytime there's an emergency here's what you do he said the first thing you do is pretend that you have a cigar in your pocket. And if you don't like cigars, you can use a piece of gum. And he says, slowly pull out the cigar, pretend you're lighting the cigar, then take a puff on the cigar, then say, what seems to be the problem here? And obviously, i do not condoning smoking, I don't smoke. But his point was, when your adrenaline is just starting to rush and things are getting more and more exciting, That's actually when you need to remember to put yourself in a calm state, even pause for a moment, just a moment, get the big picture about what's going to happen. And then once you realize, especially as a pilot and commander, as a captain, that you have a big picture, now you can come up with an action plan, take action, that kind of thing. So it was just that little mental step of pulling yourself back. And I've used that and it really does help. Of course, it could be a stick of gum too. So that's always important. And then another 
part about just preparing for emergencies. Dishel, do you have any any thoughts or does anyone else here have thoughts about how to be prepared before the emergency begins? There are different mental states that we can have when we even start a flight. And actually, Siafa, let's go with you. I think it's essential as a pilot, you know, whether as a first officer or a captain to to girl in your memory items, for example. What I realized since I started flying was um, the more prepared I was, not just knowing my stuff, uh, my theory, but also, you know, sitting at home and armchair flying and, and uh, going through emergency drills. It kind of gives you like a, an automatic uh, response in an emergency situation. I mean, I, I do agree uh, we need to take a moment of pause and, you know, look at the bigger picture. But um, just just knowing your your materials, your SOPs, your emergencies, your memory items, I think that will put you in a common state as well. I like what you said. I'm going to give like a hundred or maybe a thousand percent endorsement of what you said, because I think some of the time the panic comes when people kind of know deep down inside that they're not ready for an emergency because maybe suddenly they realize, oh, I should have practiced that better. And I think the other thing is that, you know, some people, there's a famous quote going around the internet. I don't know who said it, but they say in an emergency, a pilot won't rise to the occasion. They'll sink to their lowest level of training. So if you never bothered to memorize a procedure that you should have memorized, then you have an emergency. Your logic is not necessarily going to be working very well to suddenly learn it all on the spot. You're going to probably fall back on whatever you were practicing and training, whether it was good or bad. That's completely true. I say stay ready so you don't have to get ready. You know, make that a part of your checks every day, even though this is your aircraft and you know it backwards and forwards. But look at those, even if you're not actually performing those emergency duties, but look at that window and, you know, how will you open that window? Make sure that you have the things that you need in your flight bags. Looking at those doors, even though it's, yes, it's your aircraft, but just having the mental pick when you uh, picture, when you go out and get that cup of coffee yourself or from the flight attendants, check out that door and look at it. Make sure it, nothing's off because sometimes things can be off with the doors and if you're not looking at it, you may not catch it and then it's too late. So just checking out that door, you know, that's closed, that galley door, checking out, checking around your surroundings, again, being prepared already so you don't have to get prepared when the emergency comes. So well said. Let's see. I believe I saw Mo flash a microphone, and then I think I saw other people after that. Go ahead, Mo. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to add that in a lot of cases studies or accident cases studies or anything like something like that, you have seen that uh, people put the airplane in another emergency when something happened to the airplane, like something is happening, but with a rush or not like taking care of it, they put another airplane or themselves in an, another type of emergency. So being calm and make the good decision is one of the keys in that case. So true. And as a flight attendant, we have to remember that the passengers are watching and taking their cues. And the way a flight attendant reacts can set the tone for the whole cabin. Likewise, with a pilot, you're, you might be setting the tone for a fellow crew member. We'll go to Murdad next. So mirror neurons are kind of what 
you know, are interesting thing. But one of the examples of that that we use on fire department radio training is just the value of staying calm. So I play Captain Tammy Jo Schultz's Mayday message where as far as she knows, her airplane's on fire and she blew up an engine and the cabin's depressurized and she's very calm and professional on the radio. And then there's another, if you YouTube it, it's this guy in Iowa who ended up VFR into IMC and he is literally screaming on the radio because he's lost and disoriented. And I mean, everyone in the room, their stress and anxiety level goes up because they're hearing this person that's stressed up, right? And then you have Captain Schultz, who's calm, and it, it kind of puts everyone at ease, too. So, so that's another interesting thing when you mentioned about pulling out the cigar and you know doing your best Joe Petroni from Airport 1977. kind of puts everyone at ease, not just yourself. Excellent. And did I see other microphone flashes? Enrique? Pretty much, uh, I would go in hand, hands in hands with um, the shells point up. About always being prepared for whatever emergencies are you going to face. For example, one of the things that I learned from my training, it's that is always a good idea to have um, some preventive items on on your backpack. Especially here in Brazil, where we we do have a lot of jungles and forests, so some items are are quite essential for us. For example, knives, um, ropes, um, matches to to start to, to light fires if required, and flashlights. So I totally agree with that. If you are ready, you are going to act in a much more calm way, and you are going to do better with the situation. Great point. Almost expecting something to go wrong is actually, it means that it can take you less time to accept that there's a problem. So you, there's less shock and denial, because we'll talk more about this in a, when we talk about emergencies, but there is this thing called the startle effect, startle surprise, and just going into it almost expecting something to go wrong can help the brain accept that it did go wrong more quickly. Any other comments on maybe training yourself to be calm before an emergency happens? Yeah, Siafa. I'm going to make a statement, not on, you know, just about training yourself before an emergency, but but I was going to say, as a crew, before departure, it, it gets, you know, all of us in the mood, especially the captain setting the tune of the, you know, the trip. And, and being able to trust your colleagues you're working with. So in, in an emergency, if you, you know, delegate packs to your lead cabin crew or your first officer to do the flying or to do the QRH, and it's essential that uh, trusting your other crew will not divert your attention on, you know, babysitting the other person. And, and, and that could help, you know, that could help reduce whatever pressure, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's going on at that point in time. Uh, uh, aviate, navigate, communicate. I learned that during my PPL. And, and I believe if you aviate, navigate before you communicate to the back or to the passengers, then that would mean we've re- resolved or we've stabilized whatever situation is on, and then the captain is able to, you know, calmly uh, disseminate information, just like a murder that was saying earlier on. And then I wanted to just highlight something Enrique was saying about his backpack or his carry-on, um, you know, fly bag. For me, I carry something called an ICOM 24. It's, uh, it's a transceiver. 
uh, that, that I, I carry sometimes at home. I, you know, I listen to air traffic controls and stuff. Uh, I realized that flying extensively in Africa uh, in case of loss of com communication, uh, that could come in hand by just plugging your ICOM 24 into your headset. And then another, another thing I carry, it's a, a, an external GPS that just charged just in case we have total electrical failure. Um, some sort of backup if everything else, else you know, fails. So, uh, yeah, I'm complete for now. Thank you. Great point. So I like that about establishing crew trust and crew communication. I've seen that happen in my own career. Even when I make it clear to the flight attendants that I don't mind if they call up to talk to me about things. I had a flight attendant warn me that we were actually getting close to a depressurization situation once because of the noises in the back, and maybe she would have done it anyway, but the fact that I was already calling back and asking her how the temperature was and all that, that just kind of opened up a really nice channel of communication. And like Dishel was saying, and other people were saying, just knowing where all your emergency equipment is, knowing that you have good emergency equipment like survival kits, then when something goes wrong, you will know that you're not as dire of a situation, and that will also help as well. The other thing I'll say is even when you're in training, when you're in training for flight attendant duties, simulators, uh, whatnot, remember that your training, you want to envision yourself being in a calm state of mind even as you're training because our bodies love habits. So get into the habit and training of being calm. There's so much more we could say about that. We are going to have a whole talk on emergencies in the future. Let's talk, Dishel, if I can go back to you. Let's talk about how to recover from a traumatic event. Maybe you did have an emergency. Maybe you brought the plane down under emergency circumstances. There were fire trucks that met it. Everything's okay now. But what do you do? How do you recover from that? First, you check in with yourself to see what it is that you need. Um, it could be time away to step away to kind of process what just happened. It could be you're able to keep going. But first, you have to be mindful and check in with yourself to say, what is it that I need at this moment? And if you need extended time away or just a few days, maybe even coming off the rest of that trip, say that, you know, advocate for yourself. The company is going to say, oh, he looks good. She looks good. Let's keep it going. But if you feel like you need more time, you need to step away. It is okay to say that I need to step away just to collect yourself. That first and foremost. And then also, checking in with your crew members. You know, there can be that one crew member that just feels uneasy, but will keep going because the rest of you, or the rest of her crew or his crew wants to keep going. Check in, make sure that everyone feels okay. If there is a pause, you know, maybe you guys can discuss what that looks like for you guys. And if you keep going, or if one of you or both of you guys call in sick, sometimes we need to have the unity for the airline to understand that everyone here truly was impacted. And it's very important that you all have that, that crew member, the crew, the whole crew itself has that united front. And so that's a great time to say, let me check in with my crew members to make sure that they are all okay. That way you can continue on flying or make the adjustments if you have to maybe bring in, you know, some additional crew members, if that is the case as well. All wonderful points. Who else would like to add, how do you recover after a traumatic event? Prasen, go right ahead. So coming back to the recovery part, I would rather say that we should not get that thing rolling back in our mind is one thing. We should just uh, have a new start and a new thing to look at. 
saying that it's a new prospect and uh, it's all is going to be okay let's not think about the events uh, which just happened so are you saying that you sh- you should just try to not not worry about what happened in the past just we can sometimes call it maybe error induced jet lag just keep thinking about the future is that kind of what you're thinking yes yes basically yes yeah there is a time and a place for that i mean once you're on the ground and you're done doing that aviate navigate communicate that uh, CFO was talking about, then at some point you will have to po- address what happened. But when you're actually in in the situation, that's probably the time to just kind of keep forcing yourself not to kick yourself for mistakes, not to feel bad about mistakes, just keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Also, it's a great place to um, to think about gratitude. The, just grateful for the fact that you did make the, the right moves that you made, that you were competent in doing your job. And, you know, if, if something happened, you know, be gratitude that even though those things happened, mistakes possibly were made, but the fact that you made it out. So just practicing the gratitude of I made it out, my crew made it out, the passengers made it out, the airplane is, was not heavily impacted. Those things, you know, just practicing gratitude also that will get you grounded as well of saying, okay, this happened. However, we all made it through successfully because we all do know of flights that did not. So just having the gratitude of the fact that the stars aligned in your case and you were able to make it out successfully. Wow, great point. Because maybe in the days after the event, you are kicking yourself. You're you're feeling bad about things you did wrong. Maybe you wanted to get an A plus and you only got a C in, instead. One of the questions you can ask yourself is: Did the plane land safely? Is everybody safe? Did everybody live? I mean, and even maybe sometimes something even worse has happened. But just try to focus on the big picture. And I will tell you. So after I had an emergency one time. I we had a really good union follow up after we were done dealing with what happened, dealing with the passengers. Yes, everyone was okay and all that. Then we got a call from the the union representative. They have something called the Critical Incident Response Program (CIRP), and they were saying, "Okay, you've done." That was almost like now it was like care for the crew after we'd taken care of everything else. I'd spent a few hours making sure that we talked to all the people we needed and all that firefighters, you name it and giving reports to the company. And then at some point, this person who was on the phone with me said, okay, now you need to take care of yourself and your crew. He said, all of you have adrenaline right now, but now all of you need to get back to the hotel because you're all going to have an energy crash fairly soon. And it might take you a few days or even a few weeks to feel normal again. They said, immediately get water. I want you all to get lots of water and if you don't feel good about flying the next day, call the company and the union will stand up for you if you need to get off of that flight, check in with everybody. And I mean, the whole water thing that helps purge toxins from your system, it, it can take a lot. So you do need to remember to take care of yourself even after you've taken care of everyone else. Any other comments on that? Yes. <clears throat> I'd also like to add the flight crews, the, the, the flight attendants. Check in with the flight attendants. They don't always have unions. And so the company may be forcing them to fly, to keep going, whereas the pilots have the power. 
We all know that. And so it's, I've had cases where the pilots have been like, Deshelle, how are you? Are you okay? And I'm like, uh, and they're like, we're not going then. We're going to stay together. And they've called out because they knew me. They were comfortable with me and comfortable with me not feeling okay. And they knew if I didn't feel okay, possibly someone else didn't as well. And so we all made a united front. But because I didn't have a, or my union was as strong as the time because we had a union back when I was flying. But because they handled things differently, the pilots were able to make an impact, whereas the flight attendants could not. And that was really helpful to keeping our crew as a cohesive unit and to keep a, you know, and to make sure that we all felt supported and heard. And that was, that really made the connections for us. Thank you for that. We have to remember that the more responsibility and privilege we have, the more we have to look out for people who can't necessarily advocate for themselves as well or speak up for themselves. And again, that whole looking out for the whole crew is so, so important. So if you have a situation where you have the privilege of being able to take care of yourself, remember about the people who might need a hand with it. Oh, Siafa, go ahead. I just wanted to uh, highlight a little bit of what Michelle was talking about in terms of how keeping your composure and in turbulence and moving the trolley around i think kind of like haven't really appreciated the role of cabin crew for us pilots we we sit in strap in we have shoulder harnesses on and we can ride it like that but they they're standing serving passengers and they're, they're not just there for serving passengers they're there for security and the safety of the flight and so um yeah i just wanted to say um yeah, thumbs up to all cabin crew out there doing their work because they go through a lot. They don't even know when to expect the weather to hit or the turbulence. And, you know, they, they keep doing their jobs and smiling and taking care of the passengers in the back. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, wanted to just say cabin crew are not really given the recognition they uh, ought to get. Wow, 1,000%. And I saw some clapping when you were speaking. 1,000%. Let us please remember how important our, our cabin crew is, the flight attendants, and remember that they are there for safety. That is a good note, actually, to end this on, because at the end of the day, we're here for safety. And what a well-functioning industry is when we do support each other, when we help each other, when we are willing to die, to look at ourselves and make sure that we're healthy and take care of ourselves, but also to really try to be real about what's happening, appreciate what's happening. We are going to start wrapping this up. I want to start by talking about how people can get in touch with you, Dashelle. I really appreciate your coming. What are some ways that they can contact you, internet or otherwise? If you are an airline professional and you are in need of additional support, definitely feel free to contact us. You can back channel me here on Clubhouse or you can DM me on IG at aviation coaching underscore consulting or also reach out to me at info at aviation coaching and consulting dot com. Either way would be a great place. And I want to offer a free initial discovery call plus a free call, one free call with the coaching person um, that specializes in your area. 
Again, we are a coaching firm and we do cover a quite a few areas and have all certified life coaches that um, cover those areas, including myself. And so I want to make sure you are matched with the perfect coach for you. And so we definitely want to make sure that we are able to come in contact with you to say, hey, how can we best support you and then align you with that right professional desk here to help you get to your optimal level of wellness. So definitely want to offer that to you. Feel free to reach out if you're interested in, in those services. Thank you, Captain Teresa, for allowing me to offer that to your audience. Dishel, thank you for taking your time to help shed some light on the murkiness of this somewhat taboo subject of mental health and aviation. I mean, when people bring it up, they're worried, oh gosh, are people going to think that I'm suffering? Is that why I brought it up? That kind of thing. So thank you for being here to shed light on it. And I'd like to thank everyone who's here. And I'd especially like to thank Siafa for being very open about your experiences and also for having some really great points. This is Captain Teresa. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you were one of the people being recorded, I thank you. If you were one of the people that we edited out of this recording, I beg your forgiveness. There were many reasons that this episode may have been edited, including length, audio quality, and accuracy. We don't always have the right answers. I ask you to view this as entertainment and not as a replacement for formal instruction or advice. If you want to send constructive feedback, or if you have questions, feel free to contact us through our website, landingswithaflare.com. You can view announcements on our Instagram account, landingswithaflare. You can also join our live conversations on Clubhouse in the Club Pilot Flight Training. If you got value out of this podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a positive review. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you happy landings.